Hi there. Welcome to this week's message from Darkness to Light. We hope that you enjoy the message and will join us each week for an inspiring devotional. And now here's Troy Holden with this week's message. The quickest way to block God's blessing in our lives is to believe others owe us and expect payment from them. This is called unforgiveness, a subject with which I am well acquainted. And I'd like to speak to you and give you my own testimony. I didn't understand why God blessed so many of my friends with loving, supportive families when they were growing up, and I had the opposite. I compared my situation in life to theirs, and I inwardly resented the fact that God had not given me the kind of support network that others experienced. Instead of focusing on what God had given me, I focused on what He hadn't. I went into collection mode. I tried to collect from others what I thought was due me. I tried to find in others the mother and father I never had, and I became brokenhearted all over again when others couldn't compensate for those losses in my life. Have you ever felt like that? Has life and disappointment ever taken you to a place where you look for things in people that you can really only find in God? Matthew 18 tells of a man who demanded that the ledger be set straight, forgetting that the divine accountant had credited him with far more mercy in the book of life than he could ever repay. The Bible says in Matthew 18, verse 26 to 30, At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. The unforgiving man wanted to collect from someone who simply couldn't pay. Even if the fellow servant did have the resources, the unforgiving man was looking to people rather than trusting the Lord. Jesus went on to say that when the master of the unforgiving man found out how he had treated a fellow servant so unmercifully, when his own debt had been canceled, he threw the man into debtor's prison. Jesus said that unless we forgive, we will not be forgiven. As I read this, I realized how unjust I had become, how self-righteous I had become, how much like the unforgiving man I had become. I repented and asked my Heavenly Father to forgive me and help me forgive others. I stopped trying to collect from people what I thought was owed me and what I thought would make up for past hurt. As Hebrew 12 verse 2 says, I fixed my eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The chapter right before that, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. God loves to reward us. We're His children, 
He blesses us when we seek Him first, not people. When we place our faith in Him, not people. And when we love Him more than anything that He can give us. Another hindrance to God's blessing in our lives is our thoughts. What do we think about? Do we control our thoughts or do our thoughts control us? Do we struggle with worry over finances and can't focus on anything else? Do we struggle with loneliness and can't find joy in our situation? Do we struggle with feeling trapped? And are we afraid we're losing control? Our Heavenly Father is so gracious. He sees you. He sees me. He sees our struggles and wants to help us with our thoughts. We can wake up in the morning and pray. Heavenly Father, please help me to meditate on your word today, to be thankful for your grace, for your love, for eternal life, for salvation through the shed blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Psalm 19, verse 14 says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When I realized that Satan wanted me to believe that my thoughts were in control instead of me in control of my thoughts, it changed my mindset completely. I discovered I could choose what I thought about, so I chose to think thankful thoughts. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for watching over me. Once I decided I wasn't going to allow my thoughts to block me from the blessings of God's righteousness, peace, and joy in my life, I made a few drastic changes. For starters, I paid very careful attention to what and who I listened to in my life. There were some TV shows I stopped watching. There were some news columns I stopped reading. There were some friends I stopped going to for advice. I learned to recognize what fed my faith and what fed my fear. My conversation started changing once my thoughts did. I no longer felt comfortable engaging in gossip, let alone listening to it. Then one day, when I was reading the book of James, I realized I had a big problem. My mouth. The third chapter of James showed me exactly why I wasn't experiencing God's blessings of righteousness, peace, and joy. James chapter 3, verse 9 to 11. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My mouth was a polluted well, and I didn't want to be that way anymore. I wanted to be a sincere believer in Jesus Christ, and that meant believing the entire Word of God, not just the parts that were convenient for me. Whenever I spoke unkindly about a brother or sister in Christ, I was speaking unkindly about someone who Jesus died for, shed His blood for, gave His life for. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. 
I decided I had wielded the weapon of my tongue enough for a lifetime. And I was tired of eating that poisonous fruit. No, I didn't take a vow of silence. I still talked. Not nearly as much, though. I became a better listener and discovered that I learned far more from listening than talking. What we expect from God and others, what we think about, what and who we listen to, and what we say flows from one of two wells. A well of polluted water that hurts others and blocks the blessings of God. Or a well of fresh water that's life-giving and full of the goodness of God's righteousness, peace, and joy. Jesus has called us to live in absolute trust in God. If you look at the Word of God, if you look at the words of Jesus Christ Himself, you'll find an underlying message. Matthew 6, verse 25 to 27 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, not about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Verse 31 goes on to say, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What this is other than Jesus telling us to live in the moment with God and not in the past with regret or in the future with your worries? What is this other than the Lord Jesus saying, have faith, be positive in your thinking, stop worrying, stop being anxious? Over and over again in the Gospels, when Jesus encounters someone in need of healing or help, he asks if the individual has faith or belief. Jesus could not help someone that did not have the faith that he could help them. He also reminds us that it doesn't require a large quantity of faith. Faith the size of the smallest seed will do. Even acknowledging one's lack of faith is something God can use, as we learn from the man with the demonic son in Mark chapter 9. The father asks Jesus to help his son if he can, and Jesus responds, All things are possible for one who believes. The father responded, saying, I believe. Help my unbelief. The storehouses of God's blessings are waiting to be poured out on us, but we're seldom ready to receive them. If a king comes and offers to fill our house with all the riches we can imagine, but our house is cluttered with lots of unnecessary things, it will limit what we're able to receive from the king. In the same way, God is waiting to pour out his blessings on our lives, but our lives are cluttered with worry, anxiety, stress, distractions, and even idols. I must point out that God's blessings are not limited to material things. God is not up there waiting to make us rich. 
For some of us, being rich would be the most disastrous thing possible to our spiritual life. This has been your weekly message from darkness to light. Thanks again for joining us today. 